Welcome back to The Final Word. I am your host, Alyssa Sandoval, and today we are going to be interviewing Brother Rodella from the Tabernacle of Praise in Manteca, California. Um, he is known as Uncle Robert in my family, and so it's a truly a blessing to um, be sitting here with him and talking a little bit about his testimony and his walk with God. Um, so thank you for being here. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Uh, so growing up, um, I remember writing to Robert. I mean, I think I was probably six or seven writing to you. Yeah. Um, my dad would always go to Walmart taking pictures and making sure we always wrapped it up nice and try to send them to you. And um, I remember one time I wanted to send you one of my medals that I won because I was so excited. <laughs> and um, my dad was like, I don't think they're going to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, your testimony is is very powerful and something that I feel uh, like we were talking earlier. It's, it's an underdog story. And so can you do, tell us, when was the first time you received the gift of the Holy Ghost? So I was four years old when I first received the Holy Ghost. I, I actually have a, a memory of it, um, the, the memory of it. We were at, back then there was PSR. So mm-hmm. that was a conference that everyone went to. And I remember being on the right side of the altar and, uh, Kelly Howard, Brother Kelly Howard was praying for me. And I remember receiving the Holy Ghost then um, for the very first time. Uh, I'm sure there was renewings throughout my childhood, mm-hmm. um, but that was the very first time I actually remember receiving it. And my, and my family was excited. I was excited I had got the Holy Ghost. So that's my earliest memory of the first time I received it. And so um, you got the Holy Ghost when you were four. And growing up, did you, how did this truth um, really grow within your life, or did you find yourself distancing yourself from God? So as a kid, um, so there's some memories there that are that are maybe more there because of uh, like mom and dad remember this, remember that, mm-hmm. or photos taken. My mom actually has a photo when I'm real young, uh, maybe in that four years old, three years old category, and um, I'm actually kneeling at a chair in our living room. And the other picture she has is I'm raising my hand, same time. And, I'm, and she told me, I was, you're really praying. Like she said, I walked in, and you were really there praying to God. Um, I have that memory because of that photo. But my earliest memory um, that I have as far as what I would consider, like, my relationship point with God at that point was, I remember I was in my house. I was looking for this small, like, one of those little s- small books. Couldn't find it anywhere. I was looking mm-hmm. all over the house. Couldn't find it anywhere. And finally, I remember I was frustrated, and I was like, God, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to walk through the house and just lead me to my book. Yeah. I remember this. And so I, I close my eyes and I start walking and I felt to go this way. I felt to go that way. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, my legs touch up against what ended up being my couch. So as soon as my legs bumped against it, I opened my eyes and I looked down and I felt impressed to pick up the mat, the mat that was on the couch. Mm-hmm. And when I did, the book was under there. Um, and so as a, as a child, maybe not at that point, but looking back, seeing like my childhood, um, my relationship with God was very real. I, I really yeah. seen him as being there, as hearing me, mm-hmm. um, as listening to me. And so it, that impacted me a lot as a kid. I, I think that's probably why I got the Holy Ghost so early. And yeah. uh, I, was even, I was baptized when I was six. Um, Pastor Keys baptized me in the Modesto Church. Uh, so that was my, my early on childhood of, of experiences with God and receiving the Holy Ghost and a memory of what that relationship was or, or, or knowing God in that way. Okay, that's awesome. I think that even now, I feel like your faith, you're just so bold. And it's kind of easy to think and hear these stories and be like, I totally believe that because of how bold you you are now with your faith. And so going from being baptized, getting the Holy Ghost at a very young age, did this become religion to you quicker? Because it seems that when you're young and you, hear, you, you have so much faith because you're young. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for you to receive because you really haven't experienced life yet. Mm-hmm. And so your heart's open. Right. And so when you get to your teenage years and young adults, 
um, you know, high school and life starts coming at you, did you find yourself in just religion or did you find yourself, like I said, growing further with God, growing with God, closer with him? So I think, so as I started coming to my teenagehood, I think maybe not all teenagers, but a large, a very large percentage, mm-hmm. um, in the church, part of the church, mm-hmm. um, start having their own questions. Um, and if they're not really connected to God in the relationship area, uh, it does become more of a function and of a, of a have to, yeah. if you're not living for God. Um, so as I got towards that age time, uh, I started experiencing that, um, where it became more of like, well, we have to go to church and, mm. you know, things like that. Um, I do remember growing up before that point, a lot of great memories. My, my mom and dad were, were soul winners, mm-hmm. uh, highly used by God for many years. So I remember home Bible studies. I remember getting, people getting baptized in the house, receiving the Holy Ghost, wow. having Bible study ends, and they all start praying. And whoever this, this family or this couple was mm-hmm. would receive the Holy Ghost in our home. Uh, I have memories of my dad always, our whole childhood, he would win somebody and maybe they were, you know, on a hardship time or whatever, and he would move them in. We had literally strangers living with us because my dad was, wanted to see them saved, wanted to see them keep on pushing on. So I have all these memories. And so all of that was very real. Like I I knew it wasn't fake. Like Mm -hmm. I knew God was real and I knew God was doing things in these things, but I didn't have the appreciation for it. So Mm -hmm. funny thing, kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but when I when I came back to God, um, because of how powerful God would move uh, at the church that I grew up in, I thought church was like that everywhere, yeah. where like the glory of God fell down, yeah. and people were slain, and there was fiery angels in the yeah, sanctuary, yeah. and the Shekinah glory would rest yeah. in there. And so I thought church was like that everywhere. I didn't really realize how special that time frame mm-hmm. was of what God was doing in that church as yeah. a kid. And so I didn't really appreciate it. Although I was a part of it and I was there, I didn't really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So as I got a little bit older, got towards those those teen years uh, begin to come on that 12, 13 years old area. Um, I began to not, because I didn't have appreciation and yeah. I really didn't have a relationship. I, I had a youth camp thing. I had to go to youth camp, get the Holy Ghost. I had maybe on a really powerful Sunday night, get mm-hmm. renewed with the Holy Ghost, uh, a youth rally, you know, get touched by God kind of deal. But it wasn't a, a day-to-day living for God, love for God type of yeah. deal. It was going to church and God in his mercy and his goodness touching me, even though maybe I wasn't there out of a whole heart. Mm. Um, and so that went on for a little bit of time in that certain area. Um, I think what really turned the whole thing around or not around, but fully turned it away from God. Uh, so unfortunately there was a point in time where, where my dad walked away from God. Mm. And so during that time, um, because he wasn't living for God, because I was already at a rebellious point in my life. Um, and because, I could say, well, my dad's not going to church and my mm-hmm. dad's not living for God, so I'm going to do what my dad's going to do. Mm-hmm. I got involved in a lot of stuff with him and began to experience worldliness in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, um, my mom was still living for God. Um, you know, She was going through her own stuff because of all this that was going on and eventually what would be the, the separation of her and my father and breakup of our family and so forth. And I think what what where my point came where I just said, well, I'm done with God, um, was I remember my mom was wanting to pray for my dad. And so she was like, we need to pray for your dad. I remember being in the living room, her, me and my brother, praying, crying, asking God to to save him, to bring him back. And Mm -hmm. I didn't see God doing anything. I didn't see no changes. And so I was too young to understand that my dad had to make decisions that would lead him back to God. Mm. And instead, I was expecting God to like grab him, turn him around, (laughs) throw him back in the church, and you're going to live for me, (laughs) which is not obviously how God moves. Um, But that's what I thought at the time, like, God, make him live for you. you And so so there was a a time span, a season where that prayer was going on. And eventually, it came to the place where I was like, well, you don't. You don't listen to me. Like mm-hmm. you're not listening to me. You're not doing. Plus, I, like I said, I was already at a rebellious stage. I I started being introduced to other elements in the world and um, mm-hmm. so forth. And so those things began to draw me and pull me in. And I didn't have a relationship with God at that point anymore. So I went from the little boy who believed that God absolutely heard me enough to lead me to a couch to pick up a mattress to find the book to a young kid. God, you don't listen to me anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and that wasn't God's fault, but at the time. 
I felt like it was. Yeah. I felt like, God, you could fix all this. Yeah. You could do all this. And it didn't happen in the way that I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I blamed him for that, which mm-hmm. eventually became bitterness and a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah. One thing I have learned coming back to God, interestingly enough, is God doesn't always work the way you want him to. Mm-hmm. And I've brought many prayers before him. And sometimes he's answered in an expectation kind of way where it was like, oh, man, that's what I was praying for. Other times he's answered it and not in the way at all what I thought. Um, you know, you, you're young in the Lord in certain areas. I, I can give this for an example. I remember um, knowing I needed patience. And so I was like, God, give me patience. <laughs> and I literally expected God to, like, come with this little drop and, like, bloop, like, yeah. put it in me. And God was like, no, that's not how that works. I'm going to put you through some things yeah. in order to develop patience in you. And so, um, but, yeah, so that was, that was my, my, my drifting away time. Um, and then at the same time, the, the devil had a had his own scheme and plot in the, in the, in the situation. And, uh, I met some guys from my neighborhood during that time, um, and eventually became involved in everything that goes on that lifestyle. So, yeah. And so you ended up as a 20 year old man facing life in prison, but I remember you telling my dad and I, um, a story that before that night that everything went down and all that stuff, that you you were warned yeah. by a sister in the church. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. that situation? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was actually driving not too far from here, actually, just right over here on uh, where Paradise meets um, Hatch Road. Is mm-hmm. that Hatch Road? Where Briggsmore Overpass? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm at that light um, at Paradise. There's a quick stop right there. And um, I'm in the turning lane. I'm about to make a left. I was going to a friend of mine's house. I lived over, over there in that neighborhood in the west side. And um, sitting there, and as I'm sitting, I got my music kind of loud, and so my, my bass is kind of yeah. you know, loud and whatnot. I remember just sitting there waiting for the light, and then like in a distance, it seemed like, I heard someone say, Bobby, Bobby Rodella. And I was like, am I tripping? Like, <laughs> what in the world? Yeah. So my car was kind of low, so I kind of like knelt mm-hmm. down and looked out the window over here and um next to me uh was a lady in a van and she looked away from me and I was like oh, I must be tripping like yeah that's yeah. why in my mind that's why I thought I must be tripping so I'm still sitting there waiting and I heard it again Bobby Bobby Rodella so I look over and this time when I look over she doesn't look away from me and I recognize her as uh Sister Hope Lazada and so uh, we were always very close to them growing up like family um, mm-hmm. We even lived, our families even shared a residence at one point. And so I just always knew them really well, but it had been a lot of years since I had been around them because I hadn't been around the church or anything to do with the things of God or anything like that. So when I seen her, it was kind of surprising. Um, and in my mind, I kind of just thought, oh, she must have recognized me. And then she tells me, you need to pull over. I need to talk to you. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world? <laughs> She's like, I need to talk to you. Pull over, pull over. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I was in the turning lane. She wasn't. She I turned into a quick stop. She turned around and came back and I pulled up in there and parked and she, her van comes in she parks and she gets out and I'm already out of my car waiting, kind of standing there waiting. So she gets out of her car and, and she's in tears. There's like literally tears coming down her face and she walks up to me and she just, she just basically begins to tell me that for the last few months, uh, God had put me on her heart heavy to pray, to pray for me. So for several months she had been praying for me and not too long ago, uh, she tells me that, God had given her a word for me. And so mm-hmm. she, she had told me, well, I don't know where he is. I haven't seen him in years. I, I don't know what's going on in his life or where he's at. But if you want me to give him this word, then you're going to have to lead me to him. She said, that's why I told God. And this whole time, I'm, I'm saying it calmly, but she's like crying. And yeah. she's a very, very emotional conversation coming from her. And she said, and, and so today, she goes, I usually don't go this way. Um, I usually go the other way to go home, but today I came this way for, for, this, for this reason. She goes, I didn't know it. She goes, but I pulled up to the light, and I looked over, and, and she's like, no, no. She didn't say she looked over. She said, I pulled up to the light. She said, and then God told me, there he is. Tell him. She's like, I'm thinking, Bobby? She says, I look over, and I see this cholo-looking gangster, <laughs> and I'm like, that is not Bobby Rodella. <laughs> and she's all, and, but God told me, that's him. Call him. She's all, so I called him, and as soon as you looked at me, I was like, no, that's not him. And I looked away. <laughs> She goes, and then God told me again, that's him, call him. Yeah. So I called you again, and sure enough, it was you. She says, I would not recocognize you in a crowd. Like, mm-hmm. I don't recognize you right now. She goes, so that, so let me, so she's telling me, so let me tell you, that's God, because I don't recognize you. So at that time, I was very hard-hearted um, towards God, towards the things of God, towards mm-hmm. 
people that went to church, I, I, I didn't have a good um, attitude or spirit towards mm-hmm. uh, Pentecostal apostolics or anybody like that. Um, I didn't really involve myself in conversations to do with God. I had a lot of bitterness inside of me, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on inside. Yeah. So I really wasn't receptive to what she was saying. I could see she was emotional. It did kind of trip me out like, well, that's kind of that's interesting. Like, yeah. you know? But at the same time, I was kind of like, eh, you know. Um, so, so she's just telling me that she's crying and then she, and then she says, so I'm going to tell you what God's told me. God has told me that if you, that you need to stop doing what you're doing, living the way you're living and you need to come back to him. And if you don't, he's going to allow something to happen to you. And I said, okay. And she starts crying more. She's like, you're not even taking this serious. And I was like, I just don't have no interest. Mm -hmm. Just, I'm not really trying to hear it. And, uh, so she starts crying and she says, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's death. I don't know what it is. All I know is um, I'm going to keep praying for you. And so I said, okay. She goes, will you let me pray for you? And I told her, um, Hope, I don't pray. I, don't, I stopped praying a long time ago. I don't pray. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she said, but will you let me pray for you? And because of the respect I had for her being uh, not just someone that went to church, but being a family friend, growing yeah. up, having that close time with them, um, I told her, okay, out of respect for you, I will let you pray for me, but I'm not going to pray. I don't pray. Mm-hmm. So if you want to pray for me, that's fine. And she said, okay. So I folded my arms and mm-hmm. she laid her hands on me like she was in a Sunday night revival, <laughs> revival service and started pleading the blood and intercession and talking in tongues right in the middle of a quick stop parking lot. I remember yeah. people walking by, looking at her, looking at me. I'm exchanging looks at them like, yeah, this one's, yeah, she's, she's probably crazy. And uh, not really, not really appreciating really what God was yeah, trying doing, to do. trying to do right there. Yeah. But she prayed and she did it with all her heart, all her mm-hmm. spirit. I'm so thankful that yeah. she was led by God, that she had the boldness, the love and the compassion to, to do that. So mm-hmm. we got, she got done praying and uh, she finished up and she says, um, will you do me a favor? And by then I was kind of already like past the like, okay, like I stopped, I let you talk to me, I let you pray for me. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with yeah. all this. But she said, but, and she said, but let me, give me one more favor. I said, all right, this is it. What, what do you want? She said, if I ever show up somewhere that I'm not supposed to be, and I ask you to leave with me, will you leave with me? And I really didn't understand what she was saying. I said, I kind of, maybe I looked at her weird, but she said, because I don't know what God is going to do, but I will pray to stand in the gap one more time before he brings judgment on you. And if, if she says, and if sister hope shows up at a party, and you know, <laughs> Sister Hope's not going to be at a party for no reason. Will you just leave with me? Yeah. And I said, okay, because it's you, I will leave with you. Is that it? She said, yeah. But, but she was really broken and crying and, mm-hmm. and, and concerned for my soul. Looking back and seeing it now, I could see it in her yeah. eyes, in her yeah. spirit, in her heart. And so she walked back to her car, uh, I'm sure with that burden and with that tears. Um, I got in my car and it literally, within five minutes, wasn't anything else to me besides some kind of trippy thing that happened in the middle of the day. Um, but I know, and I'm thankful, uh, that her intercession ma- made a difference. I believe that. I think maybe something worse was coming than what came. I do remember this. Um, the day I got arrested, hadn't thought about that conversation since that day. But the day I got arrested, uh, I remember going through booking. I remember getting changed out into, into the jailhouse uh, clothes. I remember them walking me over to a holding cell before they were deciding where they were going to put me. And I remember as I walked in, I heard that door slam behind me, bam. And the first thing I thought was, Sister Hope, first thing that popped in my head, this is the thing that God said he was going to allow to happen. And uh, in my mind, I was like, great, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in here. Like, mm-hmm. it was, I didn't have no place of repentance yet or turning to God at that point. But she, that conversation with her was the very first thing that came to my mind. Mm. Yeah. And when you were thinking of that moment, did you find yourself even... Did you find yourself even like angry, super frustrated or angry at yourself or towards God more? So I think that thought was a passing thought. I remember I remember thinking and like, oh, this is it. This yeah. is that thing. Yeah. So in my mind, because I knew it was that thing, I felt like it was going to be permanent. Mm. A lot of times throughout those years, I felt it wasn't going to be permanent. But that was the first time I felt it was going to be permanent. And so I remember just the stress of it. I remember I laid down. Um, I couldn't lay there for too long. I remember I got up and uh, I had like a lot of anxiety. So I, start, I remember I started doing push-ups, trying to, to break the anxiety. And I remember just laying back down. And at some point, I dozed off. Um, when I actually started 
coming back to God. It was uh, some time had went by, and I began to find out the whole series of the situation I was in. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I wanted to believe that I could get out of it. Like mm-hmm. I remember telling um, my 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 friend and my co-defendant. I remember telling him like. You know, it's not a big deal. They ain't got nothing on us, bro. Like, we're going to get out of here. No big deal. Don't don't worry about it. Like, mm-hmm. just, we'll, we'll, you know, keep our mouth shut and we'll get through this. Don't worry about it. And as time went on, I began to see, like, no. Yeah. Like, you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison. Um, mm. And so my mind, that thought was on my mind the day that I actually prayed for the very first time since I was a kid. Mm. Um, I remember it was, it was late. Um, I don't know how late, but it had to be, like, early morning hours. I couldn't sleep. Um, my celly was asleep and I remember getting up and I'm walking back and forth and I'm just thinking like, man, like everything's, my life is kind of going over in my head. I'm thinking, man, like this is, this is it. Like this is it. This is, this is the neighborhood, the homies, the respect, all this, all this stuff, um, that I was, or thought I was, um, this is the end result. This is all I get. Like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in prison. I remember going to the, to the door and there's this really small window that's on that door looking out into the day room. It's all dark. Everyone's asleep. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to spend the rest of my life looking out a little window in a, in a metal door. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And the only way I've told a lot of people this, the only way I can describe the feeling was like when someone breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. It was that kind of like a heartbroken feeling. Mm-hmm. And for the very first time, uh, I prayed. It wasn't, I didn't repent that, at that point. It wasn't a, a repentant prayer or I'm yeah. going to live for you prayer or Actually, if you really view it, it was a selfish prayer, but, but I talked to God honestly. And I remember telling him, if you just give me a chance. If anybody can give me a chance, you can give me a chance. I have no chance without you. I'm stuck. I'm mm-hmm. here. And mm-hmm. if you want to give me a chance, please give me a chance. Mm-hmm. And, and that was kind of where I left it. Um, but be, because, because I prayed that one time, and, and time went on a little bit, but because I prayed that one time, I began to feel, well, maybe I can pray again. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can. You broke that wall. Yeah, I broke that wall down. Like, okay, I'm, maybe I can talk to him again. And, mm-hmm. and so I began to do that. I began to, to pray. I, I got a hold of a Bible. Um, I can't say that I was living for him at that point, but I was praying. I was reading the Bible. I was um, trying to be good by myself. Like, <laughs> okay, I know God don't like cussing, so yeah. I'm going to try my best not to cuss anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know my God doesn't like this. I'm thinking yeah. like, I know he don't like these certain things, so I'm going to try not to do that or do them as less as possible. Yeah. Like, kind of yeah. like where I was at in my mind at that time. And so I was still involved in certain things going on there and uh, who I was associated with and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I wasn't willing yet uh, to let that go. Yeah. Uh, a big part of that was pride. Like, mm-hmm. like now nah, this is where I'm at. Like, this is, yeah. this is it. So, yeah. so time went on and I was still praying. I was reading the Bible. I was trying to be, um, like vocal that I was praying, reading the Bible, like telling those guys I was associated with, like, oh yeah, I read the Bible. Oh yeah, I pray. Like, mm-hmm. but not like I'm living for God. Like, you know, it was <laughs> just like, oh yeah, I pray. I read the Bible. And yeah, yeah. my celly, of course, knew he was there with me. And, um, so that, that went on for a little while. And then there came to a point. It, went, it was probably about like a two to three week span where I woke up every morning feeling like I did something wrong. Like as soon as I woke up in the morning, just felt like I did something wrong. Like, mm-hmm. And it would be with me all day long. And it, it, it was bugging me. Like I was, mm-hmm. And I didn't understand what it was at the time. Um, it was conviction is what it was. But I didn't yeah. understand it was conviction. I just felt guilty about just nothing. Like I just wake up and just yeah. feel guilty. And so it went on for a little while. So one day I remember it just got like really heavy. And... Um, I remember getting up that day and I was like, I need to, I was already feeling it. I was like, I'm gonna go pray. Mm-hmm. So then I get this bright idea. I'm like, well, I'm gonna talk to God about this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, you know, revelation, yeah. right? So yeah. I was like, I'm go, all right, let me talk. So I start praying and I'm like telling God, like, I don't know why I'm feeling like this, but I've been feeling like this for a little while. Mm-hmm. And the and the more I begin to pray, I begin to realize, oh, you're making me feel like this. Why mm-hmm. why are you making me feel like this? And I kind of started giving him a list of my own merits of what I've been trying to do to be better. Like, Justifying. I'm, I'm pr- yes. Yeah. Like, I'm praying. I'm reading the Bible. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing my best not to cuss. I know I get involved in a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but this is where I'm at. Yeah. I was even trying to justify what I was involved in. And you know why we do what we do. And yeah. you, I was going through all this stuff. And the more and more I did that, the heavier and heavier and mm-hmm. heavier it got. So it came to the point where I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't take this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember telling him, what do you want me to do? And I was a, a way different man at that point. And I was praying even in frustration. And um, I remember just, just being frustrated and telling him, what do you want me to do? Like, whatever you want me to do, tell me what to do. 
just stop making me feel like this. I don't want to feel like this. Just yeah. tell me what I need to do. And I got up. I remember I was all frustrated. I got my Bible. I threw it on my lap. I opened it up. And I looked down. The first scripture I read says, you cannot serve two masters. And I was like, whoa. Wow. Like, mm-hmm. like, it was more than reading it. Like, it spoke to me. Like, yeah. And so it, it did a couple of things. It blew my mind. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that when I opened the Bible that day. But when I did, and it just it spoke to me. It was like alive, like coming out of those pages. Like, it, like hearing it in my ear. Mm-hmm. You can't serve two masters. And, and so when, when I seen it, I was like, whoa. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, I was just talking to you about this. Yeah. And right, right when I thought that, God spoke to me and said, you're going to serve me or you can serve the Norte, but you're not going to serve both. Mm. And I was like, whoa. Like, yeah. it, it made me realize this thing, though, and this is really what I needed. Oh, you listen to me. Mm. You hear me. Like, mm-hmm. you really care what I'm telling you. You really care what's on my heart. Like, Mm-hmm. Okay, like, and it and it gave me like an assurance, like, like, okay, like I'm not just talking to a bunk here, like I'm not just bouncing words off a roof, like, Jesus, you really hear me right now, um, and so it it gave me the boldness to start doing what I really needed to do, and it was a short time after that where I, where I did find a place of repentance, because to that point I wasn't really feeling, I didn't have a. a, a, a conscious in that sense that's what started coming like God was convicting me of like being in there not just being in there but like what what I did where I had been and so I was able to finally come to a place where I was where I was repentant from that life that I lived in there's certain people that I've talked to who said there's no way you can serve God when you're locked up (laughs) well and they and they it's a big challenge they say it's because like you get it's a way of living yeah. That's what they say. It's a way of living. You either you're gonna live or you're gonna die if mm-hmm. you don't kind of have that mentality. Yeah. And so when you're saying, "Hey, I'm doing what I need to do to be in here and to survive," mm-hmm. you can easily get caught up of like, "This is my excuse." Yes. Yes. And this is my way out. Like yeah. God, you see, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know where I'm at, Jesus. You see this place, yeah, yeah. exactly. And so um, I remember, like I said, as a young kid, writing to Robert. And um, I don't even remember what I would write. Just my dad would say, "I'm gonna uh, mail a, uh, I'm gonna mail a letter, and you and your brother need to write something to your uncle Robert." And for me, I've only seen my uncle Robert once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the rest have been pictures. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So we would write about our day, what we've been doing, and all this stuff. And like I said, I try to send him a medal, and I remember my dad being like, "That ain't gonna work." <laughs> But I remember coming and visiting you one time, and you had this little goatee <laughs> and all this, yeah, yeah. and you were locked up like this, and you were talking on the phone, and I remember that clear as day, and it took, I felt like it felt like forever waiting for you to come and talk to us, and mm-hmm. it was like a minute talking to you. Yeah. That's what it felt. Well, the next time I go to visit you, it's years later, and when you come in, I'm thinking, this is not my Uncle Robert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was during that transition yeah. with your walk with God. And I remember it was the same time that my dad was having his transition with his walk with God. And my dad was just so excited for you because I feel like you understood some of the struggles he was struggling mm-hmm. with when it came to, I'm just trying to serve God. Yeah. And so um, I remember looking at him and being like, there's no way, there's no way this guy is the same guy. Yeah. And it was a completely different conversation. It was all about God. It was yeah. all about the Bible. It was all about, by before it was just this and that and yeah. goofing off and us talking, telling jokes. And I just left really like shocked. And because um, I heard all the stories, I heard, hey, Uncle Robert, he's, he's doing great things in, the, in there. And I'm thinking, what? Yeah. <laughs> he's giving Bible studies yeah. and all this stuff. And I remember thinking like, okay. And um, to see it and to see you, to see everything change, the way you speak, the way, what you were excited for, the conversation, you can really see there was a change. Mm -hmm. But when, um, in that process, I know that you spoke to us about you really struggling to be renewed with the Holy Mm -hmm. Ghost. Yeah. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So, um so like the first like seven and a half years, um, I I did it in a max facility, so um, very very isolated and very controlled. Um, but I had a lot of time um, 
to be in the word and to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but during that time, I was also seeking for the Holy Ghost. I wanted to be renewed with it. Um, I knew I remembered it as a kid. I knew I had received it as a child. I remembered like certain youth camps and things, little memories like that. And but really what I was what I really knew was the word of God. This is what the word of God says. Mm-hmm. And so it's for me. So one of the things coming back to God during that time, I coming back to God, I, I had a lot to 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 sort out, to reason with him, and sort out with us. And 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 I knew he was real and I knew he had spoke to me. And there was other times where he would he would deal with my heart or speak to me. Um, but I really wanted to know him. And to be honest, when I first came back to God, I didn't know if apostolic Pentecostal was it. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah. then the other thing is, is I start praying, I start reading the Bible, and all of a sudden, all these guys around me are religious. Like, I'm thinking, what were you guys <laughs> like? What in the world? And, yeah. and when I left the church, when I when I mm-hmm. walked away from God, it wasn't like I went to another religion. Yeah. Like, I knew God on Seventh and I in that time where I was speaking earlier mm-hmm. of just the power and the glory and the presence of God. And I knew these people lived for God at that time, at that time in my life. That's how I seen it. Yeah. Well, coming back to God, I kind of had, well, well, why did this happen with my dad? Why did this happen with my mm. mom? Like maybe they didn't really have the whole truth or what, what is the deal? Then I'm getting all this other stuff now. Like there's a Trinitarian over here. There's a Jehovah's Witness over here. There's a Mormon over here. Um, you know, I even had a Satanist uh, trying to talk to me and so all, all these different people are like trying to share with me the Bible. I remember having a, a long conversation uh, with a guy one time and we were talking about how, how good God was. And it was a, it was a probably, it, it was a long conversation and how good God is, how good about this or that. Or, oh man, God's good. This, this, that God's good. And at the end I said, man, Jesus is good. And well, I didn't know that was going to be in the conversation, but I said, Jesus is good. And he said, yeah. And God's good too. What? <laughs> Jesus is God. That's what I told him. Yeah. And, and he said, no, he's not. And I said, yes, yeah, who you've been talking about this whole time? That's, that's who I've been talking about. Yeah. So, so then I'm thinking to myself, like, I get done with that conversation. And then, like I said, all these different other people are coming to me with stuff. I'm like, well, what is the truth? Who, you know, mm-hmm. how, what's real? So I remember um, I had a Sally at that time and uh, he left. And there was a two-week span where I was by myself totally. And I remember during that time, um, I started fasting and praying and I was asking God, show me who you are. And there, mm-hmm. I had gone on a little bit of extended fast deal. And um, I remember the night, evening, and I was reading the Bible and I come across uh, a scripture, a wonder scripture. And I'm reading, and I'm like, so yeah, Jesus is God, right? I'm looking <laughs> at it like, well, mm-hmm. and then an- another scripture comes to mind like, oh, I'm gonna look over here. And it was like, God was telling me, look at this scripture, look at that scripture. Look at this scripture. Look at that. Go to the Old Testament. Like, and I was flipping through these pages. I had been reading the Bible for a little while, so I knew where these verses were at because I had come across them. I read them, but it was like he was like, go here, and I'm flipping. Okay, go here, and I'm flipping, and I'm doing that. And all of a sudden, I was like, that, that's when I got the revelation. Like, Jesus mm-hmm. is God. Like, it was cemented. It was grounded. It was like, boom. Like, it just, it just like, yes. Like, this, and this is real. Like, yeah. God is Jesus. Jesus is God. There is no else. Yeah. He's one God. There's none beside him. There is no other. Yeah. He created the earth by himself. He, like, all these scriptures, I'm just going. And, and so that's when I got the revelation for myself. But one of the things I had been praying at that time was, I want to know you for myself. Mm-hmm. Not je- not only because of who my dad or my mom or I even remembered uh, youth camps and preachings. It was it was it was amazing. Like when I started praying in the Bible, I would hear in my mind like remember old messages Pastor Keys preached and and, mm-hmm. and different ones. Kelly Howard preaching at youth camp about the Pied Piper and uh, you know following out the, just all kinds of these different things. And so um, I'm telling God I want to know you for myself. And and that night He did let me know Him for myself. I I seen it for myself, not not only because my mom and dad had told me, not only because I had mm-hmm. heard it as a kid, not only because a Sunday school, school teacher had told me at a point, but I got it from him. He showed me it. And so I was like, wow, like, yeah. that's amazing. Like, yeah. this is real. And so um, before it was, you know, when I would tell people Jesus God is because I was what I was raised up in. That's, that's mm-hmm. just what I believe from a child. But, but then from then forward, it was like, it's not only what I believed as a child, but it's what God showed me himself. And so it was with the confidence that I could begin to tell them now, like, well, Jesus is God. I, you know, that conversation felt a little weird when I was talking to that guy. All of a sudden, he's like, God too. And I'm like, what in the world, God too? <laughs> 
Um, so, yeah. so there was things that God was doing in that time span. I'm going to get back to what you originally asked about the Holy Ghost. So mm -hmm. God was doing things in that time span. There was uh, ways I was getting my heart right towards him. Um, and there was times when I would pray and I would feel the Holy Ghost uh, move on me. I could feel it. Um, I would get some tears or even, even a trembling lip. Uh, but I wouldn't speak in tongues, like a full, like a, a real renewing when it come mm -hmm. on me. And I knew, I knew it wasn't like, I knew what the Bible said. I remembered experience as a child. And, and so I would go through these times of, of, of wanting the Holy Ghost, wanting to be renewed. And, and, uh, I would, I would fast, I would pray. And, um, and then I would also have a lot of discouragement and doubt that the enemy would bring against me. And a lot of times he would just hit me with the, well, look, God's not going to give you the Holy Ghost again. Look what you've done. Look what you're mm -hmm. here for. He left you, mm -hmm. he, you know, he's not going to fill you with his spirit again. And, and so I would wrestle with that for a while, like, like Jesus left you, like, yeah. you know, and, and I would, and I would wrestle with it and I would get over it. I would get past it and I would start pressing again. And that would go on for several years, actually, for, for seven and a half years, that would go on. Oh. Um, and, uh, and I was, I was telling people about God. I was, you know, you could talk through the vents. I was giving Bible studies to my neighbors through the vents. Um, I was li living, living the best I could, um, mm -hmm. by the word of God, but we're not being renewed in the Holy Ghost yet. Um, and I was following after God in, in, in what I, what I could, I guess, at those yeah. points, what, as far as I understood, or as far as I could. Um, but I knew I still needed to get renewed with the Holy ghost. And so, like I said, oftentimes that would come to me and discourage me. Um, I finally had like resolve, like, you know what? I'm just going to have to get like a Holy ghost filled altar call and have some holy man of God lay his <laughs> hand on me, pray me yeah. through like yeah. kind of deal. That's kind of where I was at, like mm -hmm. stuck in that, that place. But, um, eventually I came out of that max uh, area i went to an open an open air an open pod which there was a lot of contact with now with other people and i got there there was already a, a, a good sized group of men that were meeting for bible study and the guy that was leading it um, wasn't able to do it no more and asked me if i could take over so i started teaching them and telling them about the holy ghost about being baptized in jesus name hadn't been renewed yet but i knew it was for them too and so i'm just preaching them about it telling them about it preaching them about one god and uh repentance and all these different things that I, god had had put in me and shown me throughout the time that i was yeah. back back in that max area so now i had a group of men and i'm teaching them and and, uh, and they're receiving it i remember uh my, my pastor pastor richardson came in and uh, he baptized me i, I wanted to be rebaptized. i i as a as a man recognizing i i do remember the experience of being baptized as a kid six years old i do remember the water was cold and when i came up the water was warm like i remember that like <laughs> but as far as like making the decision yeah i didn't really remember making the decision and so as a man coming back to god i wanted to to make the decision and so my i had uh my pastor rebaptized me he baptized me and 13 other men so 14 wow. of us that day wow. um and, and god started doing things in there so i'm i'm like man praise god and so uh, of course now some of these men not all of them but a, but a good majority of them um are starting to actually your uncle was even in there with me and i was giving him bible studies too um so <laughs> your other uncle alex so yeah so um so we're we're, we're you know we're doing bible studies and, and, and pastors coming in and some other men of god are coming in and uh -huh. um so when I finally get renewed, like I said, I had kind of chalked it up in my head, like, it's going to have to be a mighty man of God. Just pray me through. Good. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, someone's going to come in here and just, get, yeah. you know, I'm going to get this Holy Ghost. And so uh, I remember um, Brother Steve Lear, who actually used to do prison ministries with my dad, like year, back in the 80s or 90s, um, came in. And we didn't know each other, but we met. And then we realized, he realized I was my dad's son and mm -hmm. he knew my dad. And so he started coming faithfully and ministering to us and, um, and like I said, along with my pastor, other men were coming. And so uh, I remember that um, that night um, when, when I got renewed, I had met a friend named Robert. He was here from Modesto. And I knew Brother Steve was coming in. I had told him I wanted him to go to Bible study with us. So he says, okay, I'll, I'll come in there. I'll check it out. So I bring him. And we walked in. Like, everyone was already in there. It was already crowded. I remember we had to sit in the very back. And I'm, we're not in a sanctuary. We're in this small room that used to be a laundry room <laughs> that they took the washer and dryer out of. So there was enough room for a washer, a dryer, and a table um, that you could fold clothes on. But now the, there's a table there. So we just all gather all tight around this table, and we do Bible studies there. So I walk in the laundry room, and me and him kind of just squeeze in the back. And um, right when I walk in, Brother Lear, Brother Lear is quoting some scripture. But when he says it, like, it hits me, like, like, I didn't even have an understanding of it all being spoken, but I remember, like, it just, it just rested on my heart. I remember tears started coming out of my eyes, and I was like, whoa, like, mm -hmm. and I remember wiping my eyes, and, like, and then someone asked him a question. He went in a different direction and started talking about, you know, whatever else they were asking about, and he was showing us, and it's the Bible study he was giving us. And so we get done, and um, 
I didn't I didn't realize actually when I walked in that he was he was quoting several scriptures altogether. Like he he was speaking the word of God. Um, I didn't realize that till later. But that's what that's what it was the word of God that touched my heart. And so we're standing there and we get done. He says, uh, Brother Robert. He says, um, Today when I was in prayer, I clearly heard the name Robert. He said, To be honest, I thought it was you. Because I knew I was coming here tonight and I thought it was you. But now you brought your friend Robert. So I don't know which Robert it is, to be honest. He goes, but if you want to both come down here, I would just like to pray for whatever God wants to do. I feel like he wants to do something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, yeah, come on. You want, I, told my, I told Robert, you want to go down and pray? He was like, yeah, okay. So we walked down there together. And um, Brother Steve tells the brothers, okay, well, I don't know what God wants to do, but he wants to do something. So we're just going to begin to pray. Any of you in here that want to join us, you can pray along. And we're just going to pray for God to do whatever he wants to do. So me and Robert lift our hands. And, and, and most of the men in that room begin to seek God earnestly, too. And we, we lift our hands. We start praying. And, and automatically, I could feel the Holy Ghost in there. And, and I had been feeling the Holy Ghost. Like, during that time I had been mm-hmm. there, like, I had been feeling God. And, and I had been feeling the Spirit on us and move around us. Like, like you could feel it. Like, yeah. But, I, but I, I didn't get filled. I yeah. just could feel only. Mm-hmm. And so uh, God starts moving. You could feel it. Brother Steve lays his hand on me, and he lays his I can I could tell he's laying his hand on Robert like he has two hands, and <laughs> he's laying hands on both of us, and we're praying God's moving, and, and I'm asking for the Holy Ghost, and uh, we're praying for a while like that, and, and, and some tears are coming down, and, and I can hear the other men in the room. They're all praying, and, and then, uh, you know, when you begin to feel the Spirit, like, lift, like mm-hmm. it comes down real strong, and then you begin to, that started to happen, and Brother Steve took his hand off my head, Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming he took his hand off Robert's head, too. I don't know. I have my eyes closed. Um, but he took his hand off my head. And right as he took my, he takes his hand off my head, I be, I'm, I'm feeling that already. Like God's, the, that spirit of God moving there is beginning to lift. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, with my mouth, I was saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But in my heart, I was like, no, 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 no. Don't go, God. Mm-hmm. I want the Holy Ghost. I want you to fill me with the Holy Ghost. I need you. I want you. Whatever I have to do, whatever you want me to do, whatever I need to surrender, I will give you it all, God, but I need you to fill me with the Holy Ghost, and I'm not going to stop praying until you fill me with the Holy Ghost. This was coming from inside my heart, and right when I like, thought that towards God, it was like this power and this glory. Just, it just went over me. It went in me. It flowed out of me. I started talking in tongues. Wow. It was amazing, and the most amazing, one of the most amazing things in that moment was, I know I didn't go anywhere, and I know yeah. those men didn't stop praying, but my ears all of a sudden heard silence. It was just quiet, and it was still, and in that stillness, I heard Jesus say, I never left you. Wow. And it, it was the first time that I can say I actually fell in love with him. It was mm-hmm. more than just sharing Bible studies. It was more than just talking about him. It was more than just doing what I knew I should be doing to please him. It was, you, you never left me? No matter where I was, no matter mm-hmm. what I did, not even for, I, I'm here right now in this place, and you never left me. And it, it touched me. I remember just loving him so much because I knew where I'd been. I knew what I was, what I had done, the way that I lived. And the, the years the devil had lied to me and told me he left you. And Jesus mm-hmm. just simply, I never left you. Amen. And it just, it changed. It changed my whole, being filled with the Holy Ghost and, and falling in love with him changed everything about my relationship with him and, and my walk with him. Wow. And so from that point, where did you find yourself when it comes to, because obviously you're not in prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I remember thinking when they told us, hey, like Robert's going to be able to get out. We were so excited. Yeah, yeah. We're all excited. And uh, when you did come out, you told us, I think it was probably the first dinner. We had your mom had this big old party, yeah, yeah. and it was funny because there was these pictures that she you could tell she just printed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had pictures of Robert all over her fence yeah, and yeah. on the tables. It was funny, but we were all so excited. But I remember him saying at the end of the night, "If God let me out a day early, a year earlier, um, I don't think I would have truly served him to where I was, to where I'm at right now." And so. How long did you find yourself um, in prison and when that transition happened where it was like, oh, there's a possibility of mm-hmm. me being out? Um, so I, I served a total of 11 years. Wow. So I was looking at 420 years, three L's, two life withouts. So that means you're never, ever coming home. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as what the courts had stacked against me, it was 110%. Wow. Um, it was a literal, a literal you're never going to go home situation. And when you're facing that, did you at any point just accept it? Be like, okay, 
I'm living for God. I got the Holy Ghost. I'm giving these Bible studies. This is where God wants me. Mm-hmm. Did you? Yeah. So there was a point I remember actually uh, where, I, where I, was, I was sitting on my, my bunk and uh, it was it was a bad day in a court situation. I was like, "Wow, like mm-hmm. it's really bad. Like I don't I don't think I'm going home, kind of deal." Um, but I remember telling God, "You know what, God? Uh, whether you let me go home or you let me be in here, mm-hmm. whatever you do, I'm still gonna live for you. I love you, and I'm gonna serve you no matter where I end up. If I end up having to do the rest of my life in here, then I'll do the rest of my life. But if you open the door, um, then I then I'm still gonna serve you no matter how it comes." Uh, one of the things, this is an amazing thing that happened. Um, there would be times where, like, the never going home thing was heavier than others. But a lot of times I would, I would fall back on, on, a, on a promise. So my mom had visited me one day. I'll make, I'll, I'll make this one quick. But my mom had visited me one day. It was after a court appearance. And they were like, we got this, 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 and this. And so, mm-hmm. like, you know, and she's, like, seeing, like, oh, man, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like you're, you're pro- yeah, it's a possibility you're not going home. So it was a very sad visit, a very hard visit for both of us. Maybe, maybe in some ways more for her being a mom looking at her son, like you know. Yeah. Uh, but either way, it was a hard visit, and we left. And most of the time, when we left visits over the years, it, it was encouraging. She would pray for me. She mm-hmm. would encourage me. She would counsel me at times. Um, but that particular visit left like. It was just sad. Like, I remember yeah. watching her walk out crying, mm-hmm. and they're like, your time's up. Like, you got to go. Like, that's it. So I go back to my cell, and I'm just like, wow. Next day, they call me like, hey, Rodella, get ready. You got a visit. I'm like, oh, really? Because I usually don't get visits back to back like that. Mm-hmm. I go down there. I walk in. My mom's in there. She's all smiles and cheery, <laughs> and like, you know, I can tell her it is. I'm walking. I'm like, what in the world? Yeah. So I, I get over there. I pick up the phone. She picks up the phone. I'm like, hey, Ma, how you doing? You, you look good. What's going on? She was like, you're coming home, mijo. And I'm like, okay. Like, hey, oh, praise God. Like, all right. Like, cool. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to believe it so bad. But, man, <laughs> all right. And so she says, no, you're coming home. God spoke to me. I said, okay, Mom. And I was trying. I, I don't want to say I didn't believe her, but it was, I was trying to, like. It was hard. It was hard. Yes, yeah. it was hard to believe. And she says, yesterday, she goes, as I was walking out of here, I was so sad. And it was stormy outside. She goes, and when I walked outside, it was blowing and Mm -hmm. wind was blowing and there was dark clouds. And she goes, but there was all these birds. Like they were on the telephone lines. Mm -hmm. They were in the trees. So many of them, it looked like they were leaves and they were singing. She's all, and they were loud. She goes, and when I walked out, I see the storm. I hear these birds singing so loud that it made me look up because I was like, wow, like what's going on with these birds? She goes, and right when I looked up and I seen these birds and God spoke to me and said, uh, just as these birds are free, I'm going to set your, your son free. Wow. And uh, she goes, so you're coming home. God's coming. <laughs> and um, so I said, okay, mom. Like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm trying. And over the years, there were times where I would tell God, like, you've never told me I'm coming home. Yeah. But you told my mom. And so I'm going to hold on to that. Yeah. Like, you know, so I, I went through those times. Um, I'm not really sure if it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but but wanting to believe it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, at some times, like, man, this might not happen. Yeah. So there was a point um, where uh, they finally decided they were going to offer um, me and my, my friend, my co-defendant, uh, a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, just take it and go to, you know, kind of situation. Um, and I remember my lawyer walking in and saying, they're going to offer you a deal. It's uh, 12 years, eight months. You do 11 of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've already got this much served and so forth. And he's like, I don't know why. I told him, that's God. Like, that's God. Like, straight, that's God. You, yeah, it's God. Yeah. And so, um, so, so, so we decided that. There was a point um, where in court proceedings and stuff, we thought we could get out earlier. Mm-hmm. And so what, what the situation was, if they would have agreed to some of the things we were filing, they would have had to release us. Uh, I would have only been in there at the point of nine years. So during that time, when they're putting together this um, this motion to the courts mm-hmm. to do this for us, um, I was I thought this is how God's going to do it. Like we're going to get out, and yeah. I was, my mom's praying about it. I'm praying about it. Mm-hmm. You know, people in the church, my pastor's praying about yeah. it. Your dad's praying about yeah. it. You know, we're all we're all praying. We're like, yeah, God's. I'm telling I'm telling God's deal. Oh man, God's going to. Bless mm-hmm. this motion and open the door and yeah. and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go home you know I'm gonna go home before the 11 years it's gonna happen I'm I'm believing this like yeah. it's gonna happen I'm already like God already gave us the deal like yeah he can do this too you know so I'm 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 really believing that and uh, I remember we go to court that day and 
I could go on because there's even some amazing stuff that happened that day. But we go in there, file the motion, tell us no. Wow. And I'm like, man, that means I still got to do two more years. Yeah. And I remember going back, um, and I'm in my cell, and I'm, um, I'm frustrated, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, God, why? Like, mm-hmm. you could have done that. Two years, like, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm living for you. I'm renewed. Mm-hmm. I'm on fire. Like, I'm giving Bible studies. I'm, yeah. I mean, we've seen God do some amazing things. There was over 100 men baptized in those, in those units during wow. that time, and people receiving the Holy Ghost, getting healed. Uh, a brother, his mom got healed out of cancer because we prayed for her, and God rose her up out of her sickbed. And just God did all kinds of stuff. I seen a, a, a prayed over a woman. God brought her back to life. She was overdosed on PCP. Like, all kinds of stuff happened. It was just an wow. amazing time. And I'm like, man, God, I'm ready. Like, yeah. I can go out <laughs> here. It's my and, time. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, <laughs> we can do this. And, uh, and I remember, you know, being, being frustrated. I remember I was on the floor and, and uh, I'm praying, I'm crying. I'm telling God, like, man, God, why can't I go mm-hmm. home? Like, I, I can go home now. Every, I don't got to go do two more years. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I want to go home. And I start telling I want to go home and, and I want to live for you. And, and I want to be a good member of society. I want to be a husband. I want to be a father. I, I want to have a good job. I want to, you know, be a good person out there. And that's kind of the things I was telling him. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of praying like that, God just stops me. And he says, I'm not letting you go home so you could be a good person, so you could have, be a father, be a husband, have a job. All those things will be included. I will give you those. That's part of the blessing. But that's not the reason I'm allowing you to go home. Mm-hmm. I've allowed you to go home because you're going to show people a testimony and glorify me to them. And I want you to share a testimony and show people who I am. That's why I'm letting you go home. And it... Uh, it lifted that heaviness that was on me. Mm. And I realized, okay, God, um, then whatever your will is. And so uh, I can honestly say, and what you remember me saying is during that, if it hadn't been for that two years when mm. I first came out, I don't know if I would, really would have lived for God. Mm. Even though God had done all that, I just, I can look back at that nine-year mark and be like, nah, I wasn't really ready. That, although I thought at that time I was. But at the 11 coming out, God had prepared and, and made me ready in a lot of areas. He had rearranged some things and done some things in those situations. Um, and so I know that was all in his design and his purpose. If I would have came out that nine years, it, it would probably would have been a different story. And when you came out, did you find yourself a little bit fearful of obviously going back to old, old habits, mm-hmm. finding yourself with old friends and... You know, going backwards instead of going forward. Did you was that fear within you, or did you? I don't know because there's there's a lot of people who say, "Hey, you get out of your situation, you go, you do your time, you come out, but they throw you in the same neighborhood with the same crowd, and so you find yourself going back." Yeah. Did you were you fearful of doing that? So, um, going back, no. There was a there was a fear of how am I going to come out here and live out here like mm. normal? Like, you know, Okay, yeah. Um, because being that long, there was some institutionalized things. I remember, I remember living, uh, uh, being at my mom's and, and I'm walking back and forth in her living room mm-hmm. and I'm going to the front door. She had like her front door open. She had the, the, the black metal gate door there. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking back and forth in her living room, pacing her living room and walking up to that door and looking out in the front yard. <laughs> And finally, my mom says, hey, mijo. And I was like, yeah, she goes, you know you can go out, right? <laughs> um, so, th- you know, there's yeah. just certain things. But I, I really wasn't fearful of, of going back to the homies or going back to the hood or mm-hmm. going back to those different things. Um, I was more along the lines of um, help. And I remember praying. I remember asking God, please help me to transition into living out there. Mm-hmm. Please help me do that. I need your help. To do that. I can't do that by myself. Please help me transition to live out there. And he did. He yeah. did. It, it, didn't, it didn't, like, everything moved kind of quick. Like, I got my license back right away. I had a vehicle. Um, there's things that just moved really fast that just God began to open doors. Mm-hmm. And it was all God because I, I, I've, I've, I know a lot of, obviously, I know a lot of inmates, and I know yeah. a lot of guys that yeah. have come in and come out. So... So it was just God doing things and opening doors and making ways. It was definitely nothing by my own merit uh, or yeah. my own background. That, that one got me far at all. Uh, but it was just God opening doors. Um, but as far as returning to those things, no. Like 
when I came out, I was like, God, let me run into somebody I know. I'm going to tell them about you. Like, it really is going to happen that way. Like, Amen. And I did. I ran into all kinds of, I, I, I've got to win my, uh, a friend of mine to God, seen him baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. I've got to testify to so many different ones that I knew from that time and place and background that mm-hmm. I lived in at that time. And I've run into them here in Modesto and the stores and different places and just got to share a testimony with them. Um, so no, I, I never had that. There was there was one time, there was a point where I was trying to get um, employed, and mm-hmm. I couldn't. Like it was hard. Yeah. And uh, and I was walk, I was going going back to to I was going to junior college at the time. I'm going to MJC, not back because I never went, but I was going to MJC. And I remember, uh, but I'm trying to get a job at the same time. I couldn't. And I'm walking across campus that morning, going to my class, and I'm frustrated because I'm not getting any callbacks. I put out all these resumes, uh, not re- well, yeah, resumes too, but job applications, and no one's calling me back. And yeah. so I'm like, man, God, like I need a job. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm 30 something years old, and I ain't got no job. I'm over here going to school, and uh, you know, that stuff was kind of in my head. And, and mm-hmm. I remember right as I'm thinking that, all of a sudden, a voice comes and says. Well, you can always call one of your homeboys, pick something up, make a little money. Mm-hmm. And right as it came, I was like, I rebuke you, devil, in Jesus' name. No, I'm not going to go back to any of that. I'm, I have no interest in doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt strength in rebuking that, but the thought came. The, mm-hmm. the, the thought came. And then I thought to myself, no wonder I, these men have revolving doors because when that thought comes, they don't have Jesus. They're not living for God. They don't yeah. have the Holy Ghost. And so they listen to that voice yeah. and they follow after it. Yeah. Uh, I think that the funniest thing with, you know, there's a lot of funny stories with my uncle Robert in his transition. Um, whatever you gave him to eat, it was the best thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) And he would always be like, this is the best pie that I've ever ate over a decade. Over a decade. (laughs) Everything, everything you give him, whatever it could be little Caesars. He thought it was the best thing in the world. But, um, the funniest thing I heard him talk about was. He, you said you can't. You came out. You were out, and you wanted to go eat, of course. And you stopped at McDonald's. And the first thing you noticed was that there was a whole bunch of numbers, these small little numbers on the menu, and you were so confused on why they had numbers. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, <laughs> six months out, six months out, we're over there hanging out with my uncle Robert and he was like, man, now I know why people count their calories. <laughs> He's like, I, I can't stop eating yeah, and all. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it's been fun. Um, seeing, obviously being with my uncle Robert growing with him. And there's a lot of nights we would go over and we would just talk and just listening to his stories and to the wisdom that he's he has now because of the experiences he's gone through and it just always encouraged me and he's always in my eyes been Paul (laughs) (laughs) Paul of the Bible you know um someone who like I said it's an underdog story you know how could God use a man like that how could God bring someone who did such horrible things in the Bible and use him in his kingdom. And so to see my uncle Robert just grow and continue to grow. And now, um, the family is getting bigger. We have sister crystal, his wife, who, um, we love and who's always over as well. And now he's having a child. We're just so excited and and the family keeps growing and the testimony keeps growing. But, um, we of course would love to bring you back (laughs) and, uh, talk to you more maybe in certain areas but for right now we are to the point where you're gonna give us your final word so what is your final word to to the next generation if it's the last piece of wisdom or advice what would you tell them I would tell them so if I was speaking to the generation of of the of the church young people young adults that go to church uh, I would tell them to fall in love with Jesus um, because I have faced, you know, I can give you all kinds of testimonies of, of things that God has done and blessings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could also testify of, of, of trials and things also I faced. And in those times, uh, my love for God has always kept me uh, to continue to love and live for him. And I would encourage you uh, as a generation uh, not only to live for God, not only to serve God, uh, but to serve him well. Amen. To give it all you got, uh, and 
And knowing that when you're giving God all you got, everything you have, uh, you will never lack nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I would say love him with all your heart and live for him with all your heart and live for him well. When we stand before him, we're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear him say that. I want to hear him say, well done. Um, and to let God be glorified through your life. All, every, everyone has a testimony. If you're living for God, there's things God's kept people from uh, that they don't even know what God's kept them from because they've lived for him. They've served him from a child or from a young adult or from a teenager. The only regret I have, the only regret I have in living for God is that I didn't live for God sooner. Amen. And I didn't love him sooner. But from the day that he filled me with the Holy Ghost, uh, from that day that I fell in love with him, I've never regretted living for God. Amen. have a lot of regrets. A list of them. I mean, you know, we, we, <laughs> wow, right? Yeah. But I've never woke up in the morning and thought, man, I wish I didn't live for God. Mm -hmm. I've never regretted it. And so you will never regret living for him. You will never regret loving him with your all. You will never regret serving him and serving him well. And so I would encourage you to do so. Amen. Well, thank you, Uncle Robert, for being with us. For our audience, we do want you to go and find us on Instagram. Our Instagram name is the final dot word. If you go on there and you look in the bio, there's going to be a link. And then you can click on that link. It's going to lead you to a page. On that page, you can leave a comment. You can ask questions. It can be about this podcast. Um, it can be about other podcasts. It can be about this episode. Um, questions that maybe we didn't answer or questions you have for Brother Robert and you want us to answer in the future, definitely leave that in um, that link. But uh, thank you for joining us. Um, I want to thank our audio man, our sound man, who's up late working with us, Logan Swart. I want to thank Aaron Swart for helping us on the behind the scenes stuff, along with Mia Viss, who does all our media. And we hope that you join us for our next episode. God bless. No